Welcome to the weekly message from Rayma Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rayma.org.au forward slash media. Good morning. Good to be in the house of the Lord today. Tony's in the middle of a, a series called Where is the Power? And we're finding out the power of God is in many different places and different ways that we can appropriate that power. And today we are going to, because it is uh, Mother's Day, uh, he chose the, the word, where is the power? It's virtuous power. There's power in virtue. So immediately we think of the virtue chapter of the Bible, and that would be Proverbs the 31st chapter where there's a long, long uh, list of characteristics of a virtuous woman. And this, this, uh, this chapter is famous in the Bible for listing all of these amazing characteristics and qualities. This woman is amazing. She's a wife. She's a mother. She's a businesswoman. She has domestic genius. She can sew and cook. That's where I fell out right there. <laughs> Thank God, God gave me a virtuous husband that's really good. Now, I can make good French toast, hey. Well-groomed, she's fit. She's organized. And she's a humanitarian. She's an amazing woman. And we have a picture of her right now. You'll put up this picture. That's my mom. <laughs> I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know if she is every single thing in there, but for me, this woman is amazing. So I just wanted to honor my 80-year-old mother. She just turned 80 years old, and everybody was there but me, except I was on a, on a stick. <laughs> so they carried me around all the whole day. So I'd like you to go in your Bible to the to the 17th verse. We're going to hone in on uh, some particular qualities that are listed here in, in Proverbs 31. Uh, rather than looking at all of them, if there's virtuous power, we're going to look at a particular virtue, a particular quality uh, that fits into this particular series. And it says here that she girds herself with strength. Spiritual, mental, physical fitness for her God-given task and makes her arms strong and firm. All right? And, uh, and then verse 25, if you look at verse 25, it says she clothed, is, she's clothed with strength and dignity. And because of what she is clothed with, She's able to laugh without fear of the future. And there are things, if you don't have the right clothes on, and if you don't have strength, the future can be daunting, it can be scary, it can make you tremble, it can put you into depression and in all kinds of confusion as you look at the future. But if you got the right clothes on, and if you're strong, you can literally laugh at the future. So this morning, while it's a special day to honor moms, 
in a wider circle, we look at some things concerning women, but because these are spiritual truths that come from God, they work literally for everyone. So everybody can scoot up to the table because the bread that we have today actually is for everybody. So when we're talking about spiritual strength, we're talking about being clothed with spiritual strength, strengthening our arms. Uh, you know, we've got uh, on Friday night, one of our Friday night streams is a boot camp, and Chloe is our mighty instructor. And so if, if you want to, as we go back to verse 17, this person, this virtuous person, uh, physically they're ready for their God-given task. It's right, it is, it is honoring to God to take care of your body. It honors God to, make, to keep your body fit, eating the right things and keeping, your, keeping not just your arms fit, but the rest of it too. So on Friday nights, we've got, we've got something to help us out. And uh, already two weeks have gone by, but eight weeks, in eight weeks, we might not even be able to recognize you at the end of the eight weeks. <laughs> anyway, you, so your body, but the soul, it's important to have a strong soul as well. And so to, to learn, to, to keep learning, to keep sharp in your mind is an important thing, and it honors God because God made our souls. And so it, it, it's right to, to be, we have a, a mother here, mother of six, and she's just enrolled into a, a, another course to learn some other things that will give her more skills and more tools to honor God with. That's wonderful. That's a wonderful thing to keep learning and keep sharp. But another thing that keeps your mind sharp, if you'll look here in verse 27, verse 27 says she looks well to, the, to how things go in her house, well, household. And look at this last phrase, because then this goes for everybody. The bread of idleness, which is gossip or discontent or self-pity, she won't eat these things. Gossip will weaken your soul. Talking about other people and weakening other people's reputation or however anybody thinks about them weakens ourself, weakens the soul. Not only that, but discontent. If, if whatever's happening, to develop a, a real skill at finding what's bad in any situation. If something's happening, finding what's wrong with it, who's wrong with it, what should be different about it, always looking at the bad in everything weakens the soul. And so if a person is to have strength, then that will be a person who can find the good in it and can praise the Lord in the middle of something that is not so positive. And be, be glorifying to God even if there aren't uh, positive things happening around. But not only that, a, a strong person is also strong spiritually. First Peter, the third chapter in verse 4, Peter was giving some instruction here. And he, in the verse before this one, is telling, uh, uh, telling women that, that when they get ready 
that it, they don't just put their whole effort and their entire effort on what they're wearing and how their face is looking, what's happening with the hair and with the accessories, and a whole lot of time can go into that. But if a person goes out the door looking okay on the outside but hasn't gotten ready on the inside, then they are actually vulnerable and not in a strong place. In this verse of Scripture, he says, but let it be the inward adorning and the beauty of a hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible and unfading charm of a, and, and let's look at this carefully, a gentle and peaceful spirit which is not anxious or wrought up but is very precious in the sight of God. Now, being able to be a, a, a good cook and be, being able to, to be a good business person and all those other wonderfully listed things in Proverbs 31, every one of them have value. Every one of them have value to the people around that person. But this quality has value in the sight of God. Specifically, he said that the quality of a gentle and peaceful spirit, a gentle and peaceful spirit that isn't anxious and frantic and hysterical, all upset, but that peaceful and gentle spirit is very valuable in God's sight. Now, if you want to have something and, and be exercising something that is valuable in God's sight, that is the most important, important person. What makes, what makes a gentle and peaceful spirit so valuable to God? A peaceful and gentle spirit of not just a, a woman in a home or any situation, in any environment, in any person, in any environment that has these qualities enables God to work with that person. It's exactly opposite of a fearful, upset, frantic person in any situation that God arrived on the scene, sometimes with a promise or uh, something was going on. Over and over in the scripture, the first thing that you'd see God saying was, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The first thing that he does is dismiss and dismantle fear because what fear and being frantic and all upset does, it repels God from being able to do what he wants to do in our life. So he, he says, peace be still. And then he works. He does and, and does different things in our life. But there has to be the dismantling and the redirection of our attention, whatever we're looking at that's making us afraid. He's got, to, he's got to get our attention on something else. He himself is called the Prince of Peace. Isaiah, the ninth chapter, calls him in prophecy, speaking of Jesus, that he would be a Prince of Peace. Hebrews, the seventh chapter, speaking of Melchizedek, who was a type of of Jesus, called him the king of Salem or the king of peace. And so he himself is peace. 
And when he finds this peace quality in a person, he's able to work with that person and in that person and through that person. Now, there must be something then about peace that is different than just what immediately comes to mind. When we think about peace and the, the quality of peace, it's pink. <laughs> if we were to give it a color. It, it, yeah, it's pink or lavender. It's, it is um, sweet and kind. It's, it's the gentle part of God. But I'd like you to take a look at some verses of Scripture that will give a different quality about peace that perhaps will help us to see that there is actually a power in peace. In this virtue of peace, there is a power. And so I'd like you to look at the ver first verse of Scripture, Romans, the 16th chapter, and it says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Now, I don't know about you, but if you were going to crush, and it's not just a demon, crush Satan, you wouldn't use peace to do it with. You would use power. Don't you reckon Paul got it all wrong when he wrote this? I, I, I reckon it should have been the God of power, the God of miracles, the God of might, the God of dominion, the God of supremacy will crush Satan under your feet. But that's not what it says. Here it says that the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Well, there must be something about peace that is not just pink. There must be something about peace that is powerful. Let's look at the next verse of Scripture. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and verse 3 says, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Um, this last week, there was some, uh, there, a pair of shoes that I really like. I like to travel with these shoes because they're the ultimate comfort shoes. And, uh, but there was something that came apart on them, and so I went to the store, and I looked for some glue, and on the package it says it is, you know, it just sticks anything. And I, I looked at, uh, you know, the, the surfaces, and it looked like my, the surfaces of my shoe, and that it would bond it together until the end of time, you know. And so I thought, that's my glue, and I got it home, and I put it on, put it on my shoe, and I held it together and, uh, for a while. And then after a little while, I put some pressure on it, and it went, pop, under just a bit. Of, it wasn't even my whole weight. I did it with my hand. Pop, it came apart. It's obviously the wrong glue. And so it's interesting that in binding relationships together like husband and, and wife or, or parents and children or, or friends that binds things together because everyone in this room knows that pressure comes on relationships. It does. And things try to tear us apart. Friendships, work relationships try to tear us apart. Life puts all kind of pressure 
to pop us apart. Well, you want the kind of glue that in pressure is going to hold and literally bind you together. And look at the choice of glue that the Bible gives, that the Holy Spirit through Paul gives. Peace. Well, there must be something about peace that is stronger than just something pink. It has to be strong enough that in the most difficult and pressuring situations of life on your relationships, you're going to hold together. The Bible says peace is the right glue. Let's look at the next verse. Psalm 6 and verse 15, for shoes. And at this, this point, Paul is talking about the armor of God, breastplate of righteousness, girdle of truth, helmet of salvation, shield of faith, sword of the Spirit. And now he's come to the place of shoes. So look at the shoes. For shoes, put on <laughs> peace. Put on peace. That comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Lily and I, uh, just recently, um, were in France. And years ago, I had uh, visited a museum there. It was Napoleon's museum. And there's all kind of, uh, you know, things from wars from years ago. Like the kind that you see on on movies of, uh, you know, jousting, you know, and all of that armor. Well, this is the real, the real stuff. And, and so I, I really find, find that quite interesting in that period of time. And so here's all this armor from head to toe. Literally, there's armor pieces that fit over each finger. There, I don't know how you, you'd manage with all that metal and uh, how they're able to see through just a sliver, you know. And, uh, and, but then going down, down on their body, then look at these. This is one example of, of what they would wear in battle, these pieces of iron on their feet. How in the world? You'd sure want everyone to have these on. Because the guys that didn't have these on had on, you know, Nike or something else would sure be able to run faster. You'd want everybody to be, you know, on the same deal. So these are, these are what, you know, they used to wear and what Paul would be envisioning when he, was, uh, when he was talking about armor is something significant for the feet. But then, uh, these, this is more of a modern-day boot, if you'll look at that picture, uh, a modern-day army boot. Uh, the reason why uh, army boots aren't just like uh, thongs that you'd wear to the beach is you, you need more significant um, protection for the feet, for different terrain, uh, different things that you'd climb on that would be sharp, uh, maybe hot, maybe cold, uh, but dangerous things to the feet. If you've got the right footwear, if you've got appropriate footwear, you can walk on thorns, you can walk on sharp rocks, you can walk on fire, on coal, you can walk in snow, and your feet are going to be okay. If you don't have the right footwear, then whatever you're walking through is going to 
end up affecting you and could it actually end up taking you out. And so it is so important what's on your feet. Now go back to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. By the Holy Spirit, Paul wrote, for shoes we wear peace. Guys, there must be something absolutely resilient and firm and solid about peace and powerful about peace that we don't think about. Could there be? Absolutely. There wouldn't be this many verses of Scripture. This Prince of Peace, King of Peace, peace that he is and that he gives is powerful. Now, let's keep going. Let's look at another verse of Scripture. This one's in uh, Philippians 4 and verse 7. It says, God's peace shall be yours as a result of the verses of Scripture that went before. When we're uh, frustrated or, or distressed about anything, Paul wrote to this whole church and he says, give those requests to the Lord. Don't carry stuff. Give these things to the Lord. He said, and God's peace as a result of giving it to the Lord shall be yours. That tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ and so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort it is, that peace which transcends all understanding. Look at this. Shall garrison and mount guard over your heart and mind in Christ. The peace of God is to guard your heart and mind. Proverbs, the fourth chapter, said, above anything in your life that you guard, above your money, above your assets, above your house that you lock every night, above your car that you lock every time you get out of it, above everything that you guard, you guard your heart. Because out of your heart comes every issue of life. Well, what guards our heart is peace. Now, uh, when we lived in Singapore, there, was, there were... Uh, some soldiers, some particular soldiers that were uh, set about to, to guard different embassies. And the ones that are the best ones to guard are the Gurkha soldiers from Nepal. They're famous in all the world for how ferocious they are and how they will stop at nothing to guard the thing that they are supposed to guard. And so the Gurkhas are, are amazing guards and protectors. They look actually pretty normal to us. And they guarded this place where we would go. And uh, they'd, they'd smile at us and everything, but you cross them up and they'd take you out, not even bat an eye, and probably keep smiling while they were doing it. <laughs> Tough guys. Well... Look at God's choice of what is to guard your heart. You'd think God's choice of what to guard your heart should be might and power and... And he said, peace. That's God's choice of what is strong enough to guard your heart and your mind. Let's look at another one. Let's go to 
Colossians, the third chapter, verse 15, it says, let the peace that comes from Christ, and remember that phrase, the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. And so if it has the potential and the power to rule your heart, to guard your heart, to protect your feet so that you can walk through any of life's circumstances and be okay. If it has the the power to glue relationships together so that they're not going to fly apart under pressure, if it has the power to be able to do all of things and crush Satan under its feet, then peace must be powerful. There is, where is the power? There is power in peace. Now, there's a story in Matthew and Mark and in Luke. All three of of these Gospels give this wonderful story. And and in my own life in the Lord, my own devotions in the Lord, I, I keep being drawn back to this story over and over again, because I, and I keep getting and seeing more things about it. And just last night when I was looking at it again, I saw something else. And that is the story of Jesus and his disciples in the boat, going from one side to another, and they got into the middle, and there's like a, a, a cyclone. And, uh, and so you can just imagine, here they are in this fishing boat, and their boat is pitching and, and, and diving and water's coming in the boat. And they cry out for fear because they, they're, they're afraid, literally. It's, it's that bad of a storm that they, these, these professional fishermen are going to go down. Well, so this is, the, this is the picture I found. There was a heap of different pictures. I chose this one. Have you ever been in a boat that's pitching on the water? Yeah. Can you sleep? Yeah, I I mean, even even, uh, like uh, just even uh, medium rough water, you got to hang on. But the Bible says in this story that Jesus was asleep on a pillow. Now, I don't know if he was up at the top of the boat like that, and I don't know that he had a a glow around his head. (laughs) Another picture that I saw had him like in a cabin below, you know, like in the the bow of the boat. Maybe he was under, and so he wasn't, it wasn't so, you know, getting splashed. I don't know. Either which way, how in the world does a human stay asleep in a fishing boat during like a cyclone storm. To me, this is the picture, like a snapshot of the power of peace. Everything around him is absolutely coming apart. The water, the wind, the screaming men. Ah! Well, maybe not that, maybe not, ah, okay. That sounded like a girl. Anyway, oh. <laughs> okay. But, <laughs> but here he is. 
Here he is asleep. He is the only thing in this picture that isn't reacting to the storm, to the wind. They wake him up. Don't you care that we're perishing? And immediately he said, oh, this is terrible. Why didn't you wake me up sooner? Oh, my God, help us. God! That's prayer, but it's like frantic. But that's not what he, that's not what he did, is it? When he woke up from this peaceful sleep, he stood up, and you know the story as well as I do. He stood up, and he lifted his voice, and he rebuked the wind, and then he said to the water, Peace, be still. I was looking at this story last night and seeing how immediately when he said and brought peace to bear into that situation, peace be still, immediately it went calm. And the disciples that were in the boat, they said, who is this man that even the water, the waves and the water and the wind obey him? Well, this kind of man, a man that is able to shush and to bring peace to his environment is a man who is not under the control of his environment. Whatever ruffles you has power over you. Peter was being controlled, being dominated. The other disciples affected, impacted by their surroundings. Jesus, same surrounding, but not responding like they did. The reason he was able to declare peace, bring peace to that situation, is because he himself was in peace. You cannot bring peace to a situation unless you're in it. If you're being dominated by the situation, you're a part of the situation. Jesus, even though he was in it, was not a part of it. He was in peace. Now, that's sweet for Jesus. What about us? In John the 14th chapter, you can write this down, we're not going to turn there, but John the 14th chapter in verse 27, before he went to the cross, he had been telling them that he was going to go to the cross, and not only that, he was telling them that, uh, that he would be going to heaven. And so in his telling them, he said, what I'm going to leave you, and they had seen Jesus do amazing things uh, with his power, with the power of his word, uh, with his presence, every, everything that Jesus accomplished in his work there. But the thing that Jesus said that when he left, what he was going to leave with them is peace. Don't you have anything else to leave? Can't you leave us something else? Just peace? If you know what peace is, peace was the best thing he could leave because of its power. The power of peace. That's what Jesus operated in, in his whole life. He operated in peace. You think about how 
he arrived to Lazarus' tomb. And all those, those four days before, even after he heard that Lazarus was sick and just about to die, he stayed in the place where he was on purpose, just a bit longer, in peace. But when he does arrive and they say, why didn't you come sooner? He wouldn't have died. He didn't go, oh, I don't know, what was I thinking? Oh, this is so bad. This is just bad. He didn't fall apart. He just stayed in, he stayed in peace. The best thing that he could leave was peace. He says, my peace, I leave with you. And then he said something else. He says, my peace, I give to you. So I'm leaving you something here, but I give to you denotes something of continuous action. The peace that he gives that we saw there in, in Colossians, the third chapter, the peace that comes from Christ, what held him in his, in his walk on this earth, in all these situations, and go back to that picture, no matter where he was, no matter how horrible the situation was, we see him actually in peace instead of in pieces. And what held him in this way was a peace of God. The peace that comes from Christ, he said, I give that to you. And he said, in this world, you'll have tribulation, but don't be of, of fear, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And the peace that he gives us enables us to triumph just like he did, walk in the world just like he did. Go to Psalms 119, and let's look at some ways that we can get this peace that comes from Christ. Because just because we're born again doesn't mean that we're operating in that peace. It's embarrassing how many children, if you can go to the picture, or no, Psalms 119, you're fine. There's too many, too many children of God, children of the King of Peace who aren't in it. So is it possible to be a child in a, in, in a a wonderful, uh, of this wonderful king of peace and not have this wonderful peace controlling our life? Yeah? Look at Psalms 119, verse 65. It says, great peace have they who what? Love thy law. And nothing shall offend them or make them stumble. There is you know, that could get to be just like almost like a habit where people say, oh, that just makes me so mad. That just bothers me. That just annoys me. That just ticks me off. They just bother me. She bothers me. They bother me. That bothers me. Oh, that food bothers me. Uh, I, I can't stand it when da-da-da-da-da. Isn't that just terrible? This is just, and, and that's just so much a part of, of conversation we heard uh, a couple weeks ago in word power. Uh, those words indicate what we're taking in, and they're controlling our life. This verse of Scripture says, Great peace have they who love thy law. His words. A person who's always being upset, always being upset and annoyed and bothered by people and bothered by everybody, might as well just wear a sandwich sign, neon, that says, I don't give much rip about the Bible. 
<laughs> Except on Sundays when I come and, you know, whatever. Because literally, if we're taking in what God says about us, what God says about other people, what God says about our circumstances, what God says about our past, what God says about our future, what God says about everything, it gives you peace. There was a reason why Jesus walked in peace. He was full of truth, and this truth is the truth about every situation that he's in. And he was able to be in peace. But he said, I give that to you. And one of the dispensing ways that he gives peace to us is through his word. You want a little dab of peace? Take in a dab of word. But if you want to be kept by peace, I mean, I'm talking about solid shoes to walk on. You can walk on fire in your life and still be okay. You want to walk, you, you, you want to be held together in the storms of life to the people that, that, you, that matter to you. A little dab of peace is not going to do you. Let's take in some more. Let's take in some more. Let's let the peace of God fill our heart, fill our life, fill our consciousness, and it will keep us just like it kept Jesus. Then let's look at another verse of Scripture. So one of the dispensing ways is through the Word. Another way that Jesus dispenses his peace is this familiar verse of Scripture, Isaiah 26. You will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace. And remember how powerful peace is. It's a state of continual power whose mind, both its inclination and its character, is stayed on you because he commits himself to you, leans on you, and hopes confidently in you. So through the word is one of the main ways that we get. I'd recommend not just Sunday dosage, not just a, a tiny little, uh, 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 just like a little card scripture. is better than nothing, but if you can hear more, take in more word, you're taking in more peace. But not only that, consciousness of him. One of the best ways to be conscious of him and keep your mind on him is talk to him. He's there. He's the prince of peace. Talking to him is different and better than talking about the problem. Talking to him, casting that on him, but talking to him, letting him talk to you, praising him, worshiping him, are all ways of, of, of raising your awareness of his presence. His presence is peace. And there is peace power in his presence. Drawing that, being conscious of that, practicing that even in horrible situations. And you can put that back on that picture again. When you're conscious of his presence, you can be in the middle of a storm 
and sleep. Not just naturally, although it will affect your sleep, your sleep pattern, but just your presence is peaceful. I'm gonna, I wanna pray for you this morning. I'm giving you just some practical instruction on how, not just this morning, but a part of our life participates with the Prince of Peace. That there is a conscious difference about you in your workplace, at school, in your home. You can go into a volatile situation and bring peace. But I also want to pray, make a prayer for anybody here that has never met the Prince of Peace. Oh, what a difference. I was talking to somebody in between the service. What a difference knowing the Prince of Peace in our life. Him coming into our life and us then learning to take that peace and participate with that peace. But if you have never even met him today, what an amazing Sunday. What a perfect day to be introduced to Jesus. At the end of this service, there's going to be some ministers up here. Don't leave this room without the Prince of Peace. If Jesus is your Lord and, and Jesus is in your life, but you're in the boat, and you're not the one sleeping on the pillow. You're the one hanging on to the mast and screaming like a girl. <laughs> Today is the day for you not to have that. Let the peace of God be a gift to you today. Honor him by receiving him today as your peace. Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray. In fathomless billows of love. Here comes some more peace. Just take it from his presence. Peace. Peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever. I pray in fathomless billows of love. 
Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story that you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at churchatrhema.org.au. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au. 